0: This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in Sales Ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by EBSA, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement and is sponsored by the Global Sales Operations Association and the UK Revenue Operations Network. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Now today we're joined by Scott Hillier, who is currently uh, constructing a sales operations department at Spotify. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So I just learned that Scott's experience in creating sales operations departments is not limited to Spotify. Scott, can you just quickly uh, go back a, f- a few years and just explain the amount of times that you've had to create a, a sales ops department?
1: Um, this is time number four. I think my first, right after my first sales ops job, I got pulled over to a boutique ad tech company here in New York to start a sales ops team for a business that was already over $100 million, um, but didn't have any sort wow. of sales operations team whatsoever. Um, and followed that up with Oscar Health here in New York as well, um, which is now a $2 billion health insurance company. And at that point was only in four markets and one business line. But I started that team um,
0: from scratch and then ended up leaving with, I think, nine people underneath me. Amazing. So this is what I want to dig into, especially in the first part of this interview, is understanding the, the journey to going from zero to having a sales ops team. And let's, if you don't mind, start on, on the, the most recent one. Spotify. Um, what would you say, based on your, your learnings this time, well, what have you done right in creating this sales ops team? Well, I should say for now that this sales ops team is currently just me. Um,
1: and one of the more interesting parts of having done this before is the journey through figuring out how to justify additional headcount. I know everyone at yeah. sales ops has to figure that out. Um, thankfully, Spotify is incredibly generous with Headcount support resources um, across the board, uh, but it's been super interesting. My my counterpart in the advertising business unit, which is focused on uh, audio and display ads, I think has ninety five people underneath him mm-hmm. across sales, training, and um, compensation and ad ops. It's like a masterful organization over there. His name's Dan Walsh. Um, Shout out to Dan. Shout out to Dan. Dan is the, the man that I intend to be in, in five to 10 years. Yeah. Um, he's really... I mean, he comes from an incredibly uh, impressive background. And honestly, we've probably only talked two or three times just to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, but our business is entirely separate from the ads view. We're, we're building promotional tools for creators, for labels, for marketers to promote their music on Spotify. Um, and right now with a sales team of two and a half... Um, we are sort of starting this all over again, trying to make sure that as we build, we are building for the future so that if in a world we all need to be smushed back together, um, we can do that with as little conflict or, or friction as possible.
0: So Les, I think the, you did pick out a significant pain point that I've come across when speaking to other people in sales ops, if justifying additional headcount. Uh, I assume you, you have done that successfully in previous roles. How, how do you do that in sales ops?
1: It's really tricky, especially because at least in my experience, unless you're coming into a sales ops org in a relatively entry level job or in a really, really senior, senior position, which sort of suggests that there's already some sort of giant infrastructure underneath you. Um, it's highly likely that any sort of sales ops leader in a company, even as big as Spotify, um, may start entirely on his or her own. Um, I love that. That's why I like restarting all this stuff. I like getting into the weeds, playing with the data, understanding all the systems, and then starting to delegate out and get a little bit more strategic. Um, The process to get more headcount is tricky. Um, And it's definitely dependent, and this is no news to anyone, it's dependent on the org, the appetite for sales operations, the um, growth goals. Um, But I will say that, um, in my experience, the way to do it is to say... If you understand forecasting and you understand the goaling of the organization, you can pretty easily suggest that like, if we could speed up our sales by 50% um, or 2x, then that could make us um, significantly more profitable or significantly uh, more more cash positive. Um, and that can very easily justify another head, especially when we're talking about you know mi- millions of euros. <laughs> um, mm. if, if I can prove that we can get to you know 25% higher than our goal um in advance then that's a pretty easy case for more headcount and i know that's true for sales too
0: yeah and so it's just the reasoning you give to whoever's signing off the budget in that this investment in this person is going to get that um extra cash and so i guess that's the challenge it definitely
1: is i think Additionally, a lot, I mean, a lot of the time I'm kind of cleaning up work that hasn't been done in the past. So um, while I was the first sales ops hire in this promotion business, the R&D team is like 900 deep. Um, We've been building tools, some of which were initially given as like gratis uh, marketing promotional tools. um, But now we're transitioning to commercial. So I've, it's hard to sort of say I'm only looking forward because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of work around building a CRM, understanding our sales analytics. Um, That requires headcount too. And honestly, that's my biggest priority right now is trying to make sense of the world I inherited about seven seven or eight months ago.
0: Got it. So then looking back at the other times that you have built a sales office department, what would you say, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Scott, are the top three things to consider as you're doing this?
1: The first one is... Creating the right space or the right lanes for a sales ops team. I think every time I've done this, or every time I've been a part of a sales ops team, understanding where exactly value can be added and where um, the rest of the existing teams and players want value to be added. Um, one of the more interesting things about this particular role is I walked in and said, great, like, let's start talking about forecasting. Like we we are sitting in Q3, uh, who is doing it. And I discovered we have a team of data scientists and like business analysts who are running forecasting for this business, like four or five people, um, which is totally a huge shock. Cause usually I walk in and I'm like, let's, let's start here. Let's get the data in line and let's figure out where we're going to go. So, so much of my role has been partnering with them, but not doing the actual forecasting work to date. Um, and so I've had to go really deep in Spotify and figure out like where exactly the value I can add is. Um, and right now, it's knowing about things about our customers and things about our sales that we didn't know before. Um, I guess at the risk of going down a quick uh, tangent, we one of the first questions I needed to figure out was how we were going to set up a CRM. Um, the advertising BU obviously has a humongous Salesforce uh, instance. The music team who is focused on editorial and releases and marketing uh, promotion has their own as well. And the team that we're building should, should in theory, sit between those two. Um, So we had to basically retrofit one of those two options to fulfill our needs. Um, And that's been been a big focus. But I think to answer, that's sort of the first piece. Um, The second thing is understanding how sales ops and product are going to work together. Um, especially in the last two or three jobs I've had, um, I have been, or my team has been given, um, the responsibility, whether officially or unofficially to help launch products, um, Again, with a with an R and D team in the hundreds, it's sort of shocking that this like new guy who shows up might get involved. But their experience is so deep in tech and design and user research. But um, they frankly have said to me, we don't really have experience with compliance or legal or marketing, and we don't really know how to talk to salespeople or get feedback from them. Um, and obviously, that's a vast statement. Many of the people do know how to do it, but it's it's tricky. Um, And so figuring out how sales ops can complement and support product and not just the sales team has been a really, really big, big win. And that was really true at Oscar, where I say most of my time was spent, Oscar Health, which is where most of my time was spent, like rolling out really big um, external products to, at that point, her broker community who are de facto sellers on our behalf. Third is understanding the reporting Requirements that has changed so much in every role I've ever had. Um, we start in ad tech; it's just like oh, we don't know who we're trying to sell to. <laughs> um, we, we our data is is messy. We have duplicates everywhere of like which, who our customers are. We need to make sense of the world. At Spotify, it's interesting because we sit at a, at the juncture between not just like selling ad products, which we we do do, but We also um, touch things like royalties, and there are huge, huge, huge um, implications to that. And the things we need to know about our sales are so much more different here than they have been anywhere else, because we need to make sure that it hooks into a really complicated royalty engine. Um, So that has been an interesting learning experience, given that I have just dipped my toe in the music world and need to understand how the selling that we're doing impacts that really big chunk of our business.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine the complexity of how Spotify has to pay money out to all the different people who make the music, but we we don't need to go into that. Like, actually, let's ask you, because I I think you've been at Spotify for just under a year now, right? Uh,
1: Yeah, I started actually in mid-May, so I
0: think, cool, eight, nine months, yeah. How uh, far through the understanding of that system are you in, in terms of percentage?
1: I will answer that question with an anecdote. Uh, (laughs) I made an agreement with myself when I got to Oscar Health that I would not pay any attention to how plans were designed, anything about the member experience, um, how our providers uh, and provider networks were built. Um, And that was just because the sheer amount of information that I would need to sort through to understand that side of of the delivery, the delivery side of the house, was completely unbearable (laughs) because I needed to also learn Um, the supply side, the marketing side, the sales side. Um, That worked really well for me at Oscar. And I had a very similar agreement with myself here, which was I, not until 2021, was I going to spend any time learning about royalties. Um, Mm -hmm. I trusted that the people I worked with would raise the things I needed to know. Um, And I instead spent a lot of time understanding how we organize um, releases, music, metadata, how we keep track of all of our systems. So the answer is, I don't know yet, but hopefully we'll figure out this year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that, I mean, I, this, 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 there's a lesson there, focus. So like, I think that essentially what you're saying is that when you come in and you're responsible for building a sales ops, or even if you're not, and you're joining an existing team, there's probably enough for you to try and consume it without trying to understand these uh, relevant, but not crucial uh, parts of the business. So I think there's a lesson in there. Um, you mentioned that there you created a commission tool. In a previous role, I'm not sure which one. Um, the reduced uh, yeah, at Oscar. Yep. Uh, Oscar, The reduced time uh, to to calculate commission and also pay by seventy nine percent. Can you share more about that tool?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, that is like the crown jewel of that experience. That I I still am. It's funny to think that the people who were at my wedding helped me build that tool. Um, the like my closest friends at Oscar, who I'm still very close with, um, we kind of lived through trial by fire. Um, I showed up at Oscar, and my my really really my first focus was creating some sort of CRM at the most basic level. We had Salesforce, we didn't know how to use it. It wasn't uh, it wasn't configured right for that particular part of the business we wanted to use it for. And about two weeks in, someone said, "You know, I think maybe you could help with commissions too." And I said, "Oh, okay." Um, commissions at Oscar were twofold. One, which is what I think most people are used to was more of the internal stuff. We want to rec- recognize and incentivize our salespeople. In health insurance, especially at Oscar, um, who started in New York, around 60, 70, 90%, depending on the business line or the region um, of our sales, so our member individual sales, business sales, Medicare Advantage sales, um, came from external brokers. These are people who are licensed in New York and sell like face-to-face um, health insurance policies. And one, it's insanely difficult to get people who don't work for you to know everything about your product, to be able to talk about the distinctions between um, different competitors, and then to want to even start to sell. Um, And part of the the trickiest part, I think, about those broker sales is that for every single one that we processed, we owed legally a recurring commission to that broker for that Uh, particular policy, as long as the member continued to pay uh, his or her bill. That meant for 400,000 policies, um, we had some sort of broker attribution. Um, And when I inherited it, there were five guys, three salespeople, me, my boss, who would literally dump things into Excel. Pray to God that the macros that were built by people years ago still worked um, and hope that there'd be some sort of and this is probably I'm going to get in trouble for saying this now that I realize it, um, it wasn't good. The good news is, is that we discovered uh, retrospectively we were never not compliant uh, because we were able to catch mistakes over and over and over again and then ultimately fix them and make them right. But it was not scalable. So we sat down with God, it was easy. It started even before I got there, and it it finally wrapped up after I was gone uh, two and a half years. But we realized that we needed to build some sort of commission tool that could do that programmatically, um, and so all we needed to do was be responsible for the clean data of that broker to to member attribution. Um, and so we three product pods, me, my entire sales team at the, my sales ops team, sales uh, team, and then a bunch of broker partners. Um, eventually created what we called the broker portal, which was an ability for these external folks to log in to something, see their book of business, make changes to their book of business, make payments, see their commissions, um, get paid. That was sort of the biggest one was we didn't have payment information for any of these folks um, because we had just been sending checks to people who represented them and those checks were broke. So we had to literally get tax numbers and and, uh, ACH information from thousands and thousands of people while the ship was already running um, it was the greatest learning experience of my professional life. It was excruciatingly hard. And I, my very good friend and my number two at the time, Dia, um, still to this day says, I think I saw you cry at work once. And I was like, that's not true. <laughs> I did not cry at work. I almost cried. And it was deep, deep in the data cleanup yeah. uh, and launch of that thing. It, yeah. It, it nearly broke me, but well, it made me stronger. It was a bunch of fun by the end. It sounds like
0: the, uh, kind of the existing state to the, the future state that you guys achieved with that system and process that was vastly different in a significantly more streamlined. And so that regardless of the pain, it was worth it to see the, the, the beautiful system that you created.
1: Yes. And I, and it, not a system that I created. It's a system I advised on that our mm-hmm. engineers and our product people built. It was by the time we were done, I had one engineer who, when I raised my hand would start the commissions process and it would be done. <laughs> It'd be done about yeah. four hours later. Uh, it was amazing. So, so cool
0: that's beautiful um you in a previous role also that you you were also responsible for marketing ops Mm. how did that how did that help in that role if at all and how has that helped you in in a failed ops role after that um and if yes how
1: yeah i think there's always going to be a natural partner. I mean, this is not profound. There's going to be a partnership between sales and marketing always. Um, Oscar, this was at Oscar, was really interesting, especially when I showed up because our um, executive team sponsor was the SVP of marketing and she also ran sales. Um, She helped pull me over to Oscar. She's my last interview. um, And she was just such an operator in a way that I don't think I have really ever worked with many other people like her. But she managed to take the marketing gravitas in the brand and um, turn that into a selling machine. And it was really cool to see. I've never seen any sort of sales leader led led like that, a sales team led like that. Um, when she left, I realized that I was doing a lot, a lot, a lot of ops work for marketing because the CRM that I built was necessarily the one on which the marketing cloud um, was, was, uh, was sitting. Um, it, so it was actually a conscious decision. I remember going to my head of sales and saying, I'm doing a lot of work and my team is doing a lot of work that actually is marketing ops. It's not doing the marketing itself, but it's supporting marketing. And I want to make sure that we're giving them credit for the work that we're doing, because to say that we're just doing growth ops or sales ops is a little vague. And By the time I was done, I think we had a couple of folks, um, who were dedicated to the CRM but who understood that their remit was not just sales, but rather marketing as well. Um, and that was really exciting because we were able, especially in the world of, of healthcare, you actually have to keep track of every email you send to a Medicare um, customer or prospective Medicare customer because CMS um, is allowed to check in on that and make sure that you follow the rules. Um, and so because of that, the partnership was really important. And if it hadn't existed, we would have had to, to shove it all together by the time we were launching Medicare two Januarys ago. Um, so I'm really, really glad that we were able to kind of get ahead of that.
0: Makes sense. Now there's one bonus question that I've thrown in here as well. From my research, you were also involved in uh, Google Glass or that, on that project. Yes, Um, I was. Did you manage to keep a pair? Um, because I, I understand that they didn't actually get to release or or they didn't, didn't go so well. (laughs)
1: Um, no, I would say that the release of Google Glass did not go great. Um, I was, it was my first ops job, um, in 20, God, 2013. Um, I had just stopped selling. Um, and I knew I didn't want to sell anymore because I did not like it, but I liked everything around it. Um, and Google hired at that point, probably around 32 people, all in ops generalist roles, um, to support the limited and then later somewhat larger release of Glass. But no, unfortunately, they did ask us to return them when we when we left. But I tried to buy one on eBay about two months ago Mm. because they're still out there and I bought one and it never came. So I still don't have one. I know. I had to get a refund. I know. But someday I'll I'll be I'll be reunited someday.
0: Do they they function? I I assume they don't.
1: No, they Definitely still do. Did you find I mean, oh, wow. as far as I know, they definitely still do. I mean, they're, the the software is not supported, but whatever we yeah. ended up with toward the end of 2015 uh, is definitely still functional. You can still take Beautiful. a picture by winking your eye.
0: What's the what's the going rate on eBay at the moment?
1: I well, they they used to retail at 1500, as I recall. I certainly was not willing to spend that much money on a failed product that I worked on. I think I spent like 300 or 400 bucks, but again, never came. Mm. So. Who can say? There are lots of them for sale if you're looking.
0: Awesome. Scott, final question. Who in the world of sales ops would you most like to take for lunch?
1: Um, I'm fascinated by the sales ops team at at Salesforce and I have been such a fan. I mean, my entire career has been been built on it. Um, I'd be fascinated to see um, the head of sales ops uh, at Salesforce uh, at dinner. I think... There's got to be so much to learn. They're in the forefront of everything. Um, that's my answer.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think I don't think we've had anyone from Salesforce on the show, but you would have to, especially during that early period where they were just growing so fast, that would have been yes. an amazing interview. Um, we will actually, we'll, we'll try and reach out to some, maybe bring them on the show. Um, that great. Scott, thank you so much for being so open and honest about your previous experiences, about sharing the... Uh, what people need to consider when creating uh, a new sales ops team, and also your thoughts on justifying the headcount—I think is going to be immensely valuable for the audience. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.